And we're back with So You Think You Know Sports. We give you weekly updates on things you want to know, like off-the-court stories, game highlights, and all-around current sports knowledge, mostly highlighting NBA, NFL, and sometimes UFC or college. This week, we give you the best of the NBA restart officially happening with a lot of exciting games. LaShawn McCoy being signed to the Bucks to join a already very talented offensive uh, backfield. The NFL's top 100 list that is voted on by players, along with the NFL suspending Antonio Brown and The Rock purchasing a very big franchise that we were just very consumed with. But before we get into it, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the hosts. My name is Alex and Mohammed. Go ahead and say something for them. Hey, just want to say what's up to all our listeners. Thank you for listening. And make sure you keep listening and subscribe to our podcast and other platforms, including Instagram and Twitter. Yes, yes, definitely press subscribe. Run these listens up because trust me, it's going to be worth it. Sports is officially back. I will, when it comes to the major sports, it will take football or basketball to be fully active for it to fully feel like things are normal again. And the NBA has started back. Uh, so just to highlight some of the games from this past weekend or the last time that we have come together, the Lakers versus Clippers was, of course, the big highlight game for the first night as the Lakers came out on top. The Rockets versus Bucks, which had three of the past MVPs of the NBA within that game. The 76ers versus Pacers, where there was a 40 and a 50 point uh, point game by multiple players during this game, along with the Raptors versus Lakers, which kind of doesn't look too great on the outlook of the Lakers. But I'll go ahead and start with this. Give me some of the things the NBA got right with this restart. And if there is any that you dislike environment wise. Environment wise, I think everything is going pretty well. Um, Everything is going as planned. I think that they are actually making a good point and showing some social justice, um, showing multiple times, you know, Black Lives Matter, showing the um, back of the jerseys on the players, um, having interviews after the games, talking to one player. And I think the environment has just been very good. I mean, even just looking at the virtual crowd, I mean, it looks weird, but the noise is it's not like a regular NBA crowd, but it's a good replacement for what they have have had to go, go through. I think that they have done a pretty good job. Yeah, so I wanted to go ahead and start off with the environment because, of course, we're going to pick apart the games. But we had the biggest hurdle, of course, uh, with the NBA's having not a crowd there, which has been a, a thing that has not existed when it comes to major NBA games for a long time. Um, so what they got right, they got a lot of things right. I, it's hard to say there were things they got wrong. Um, the virtual crowd worked for me. The, the screeching of the, of the, 
of the shoes on the court, the the intensity, all of it was very natural. I felt that as though everything was normal. And for a moment, I actually kind of escaped from a COVID type of mentality that things have been shut down. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, unless you go outside of your house and see people wearing masks, I mean, it's it's pretty much like an NBA arena. Um, well, maybe not completely. You know, those virtual fans, they do look kind of weird. But the sound, the noise that they have implanted in there, I think they've done a pretty good job. I think they did an amazing job because even it was it was little quirks that were in question on whether they could actually supply because there is a home crowd away crowd still to every game even though all the players and all the teams are within one uh one facility so how was it going to affect that the crowd can't be on particularly on one side of things to affect the the other team well they kind of equal that out they for example the houston game they had it seemed like their real, their fans actually showed out, or maybe they only broadcasted their fans. But I felt their their crowd noise was real, even though I know, of course, they were pumping some of extra. But in general, when it came to uh, intimidation towards the other team, it, they did do it when it came to the screen, or uh, they'll be on defense and the whole screen is red, it's that team's color, and it did seem like, hey there is possibly a hostile environment. Yeah, I would agree with that, especially for that game, the Bucks and Rockets game. The crowd did show up for that. The, the virtual crowd show up, showed up. And Which is very surprising. <laughs> very surprising. Yeah, compared to, to some of the other games, even though that they were great, the crowd definitely showed up for that game. Which is like something I never even thought. I, I felt I was possibly... Go, uh, you, maybe I missed the point with other people uh, explaining how the crowd became a factor, even though it was only a virtual crowd for that game. That really did make a difference. It, it felt like the crowd was on their side and a lot of things backed the team who carried the momentum to the win, which was the Rockets. Yeah. Um, they, they, I, well, it's hard to say if they fed off of it, but I mean, they did win the game. <laughs> I, I felt when they were on defense and that screen said defense and it was red, it, it felt like it was for them. And they they clamped down on defense, as we'll go ahead and get into. But I, I'll go ahead and go uh, dissect into the actual games. So after both the Lakers and the Clippers have lost games so far in this restart, is there any clear worry about either team? Um... I would say now previously, you know, last week I said the Clippers, but I think I would worry more about the Lakers in this situation. Um, LeBron has not shown up yet. I mean, he kind of, but he's not playing like he usually does. The Clippers, of course, they're missing a couple of players and they did play pretty well against the Lakers, but um, they still ended up losing um, and they just blew out the Pelicans and they looked great in that game. I think the Clippers are probably the best well-rounded team in the West. So they would have to be the number one choice right now. But I'm kind of worried about the Lakers. I don't think they have too much outside of LeBron and AD. And both of them didn't really show up that well in their last game when they got beat by the Raptors. 
Um, and LeBron, he's just been off. So I don't know what's up with them, but hopefully they get back on track. Well, we're going to have different, differing opinions about who I feel the most confident about uh, right now to win. But I do feel the same way. I would I would definitely worry more about the Lakers right now over the Clippers, even though the Lakers beat the Clippers. They directly beat this team, but I have more to worry when it comes to the Lakers. You're right. LeBron has not shown up. I... I'm not sure whether it's a good sign or a bad sign. They still won that game without LeBron showing up. I'm pretty sure it was either 14 or 16 points. I think it was 16 points he scored in that first game against the Clippers, and they still won, which is a good thing for the the other parts of the team being able to win a game without a superstar balling. But AD did ball during that game. When he did not ball, and LeBron was pedestrian, uh, at 20 points, he was. <laughs> he was. He was quite pedestrian. He was. It was not impressive at all. It was. It was. It was what you're supposed to do. You don't get credit for that. Um, and this probably is my hardest criticism ever on LeBron. But I would say that's what the biggest problem worry is. The worry is LeBron. He he has a very big possibility of being dethroned as the best ever possibly very easily, especially with the theory I'm, I'm going to go with a little bit later on with one of my uh, other other questions. But you can go ahead and respond to my comments. Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely agree. He's not playing like he usually does. He's off of his game. I mean, even if they lose a game, you know, he still gets his. He shoots efficiently. He makes all the right passes. But he's just been pedestrian. I don't know what the problem is. Maybe this whole... Um, break threw him off and he's just not in the groove yet but he needs to wake up and i really not extra confident in the clippers like it can give you some i think it's false confidence that they beat down the pelicans i think the pelicans pelicans right now are being mismanaged when it comes to the bubble situation like uh mismanaging how much uh zion's supposed to be playing they could they could have won the first game out and had a chance for an actual playoff berth. But uh, right now, they're already two games in a hole and more than likely going to go three games in a hole by the time this uh, recording actually comes out. So and to round it back around, I would say that there may be some false confidence, I think, in the Clippers because they did lose to the Lakers, who weren't playing that well. But the Lakers have a whole lot more to worry because their superstars need to show up and they have a big problem guarding the perimeter. The only thing about the Clippers is they are missing a couple of their significant players. So that factors into this. The Lakers, they're not really missing anybody. I mean, Rondo, who cares? Yeah, true. We, we I honestly did not want Rondo there. Like, it makes me a whole lot more comfortable. I sleep easier without Rondo there. And that sounds bad, but... It's just what it is. <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> but um, uh, with the big showdown, with the last three MVP winners within one game, with the Rockets and Bucks, Giannis, uh, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden, what impressed you in this matchup? Um, what impressed me was the... Uh, the Rockets defense as a whole, um, you know, James Harden, he's locking down even more, having very active hands. Um, he had he didn't shoot the best in that game, 
he got in uh, foul trouble. But the rest of the team, they really picked up some of the slack. Russell Westbrook, he was doing his thing, um, taking the mid- mid-range shots and attacking the basket and uh, dishing out a lot of assists. And then the rest of the team, now they took a whole bunch of threes, but they made the ones that counted. And they took over the game and took it from the Bucks. I agree, because I did, really did have to look like twice. I think they put up a stat at one point. It was something like they put up like 50 shots, 53 or something like that. It was something 61. crazy. 61. Yeah, it was something crazy. I, like, I still can't really believe that they put up that amount of shots. Like, he attempted it. Who cares about how many you hit? But how do you attempt that many uh, three-pointers? But that's a whole besides thing. I, I I couldn't even still believe it. And you said, what, 60 how many again? 61. 61. Good God almighty. But it actually it showed a whole lot. Uh, and what impressed me in this was the Rockets' fortitude. I, that's what impressed me in this uh, matchup because it was it was really a really really great game and Giannis got locked up. He got locked up by Harden. Who who would say that Harden, the Mister uh, Non Defense, locked up Giannis like he was locking him up too? Like this man was getting his shot blocked. <laughs> uh, out here, Giannis, bro, you out here getting your shot blocked like. It, it and I, that might be fatigue. That really might be fatigue, and him, them going down a certain type of uh, way of playing that might not actually get them to the championship. It might be always his Achilles heel, where he's put. He has to put him himself, put the team on his back in a way, to the point where he gets fatigued in the in the later part of the game and can't get off the ground and now people can actually clamp down on his slightly predictable moves. Yeah, but I don't think that's an excuse in this situation. I mean, Oh, no, Chris, it's not an excuse. Chris, I give the Rockets more credit. Chris Middleton was going off and um the Lopez brother with the uh, shorter hair, mm-hmm. I mean, he was killing him too. He had pretty much no challenge down low, so he was getting his shot. Um, but Chris Middleton, he was amazing in that game. But the Rockets just outperformed them, shot so many more threes, uh, made them turn over the ball multiple times. Um, they just wanted it more. I agree because uh, this game did put make me personally and maybe some other people put some respect on Middleton's name. Because he was, I think after the first quarter or maybe the first half, he was the, I think it was the first half, he was the leading star. And nobody really looking at him in any way in the, the matchups of stars, even though he is the second fiddle in, with, in Milwaukee, with the Bucks. So, but it, it's a lot of things that impress me with the Rockets. Because I've been focusing in on the, the Bucks side, but... With the Rockets, it impressed the mess out of me. It actually makes me push this this theory in a, in a way. Like, I'm going to give you my Western Conference winner or one who goes to the final with my heart and the ones that with my head because I got two separate people right now. My heart is Lakers. But for real, my head is saying Rockets. 
my head is saying this really is the Rockets year. And if you saw the way this man Westbrook was parting the Red Sea, this man was getting into the lane so easily. I was like, man, I really need to pay attention because this man is it's so easy. Like, I don't think it's that easy that you can drive into the lane that easy. Like, this man was from the three-point line to the mid-range every single time. They was backing up as soon as he was driving. This man had options, and he was facilita- facilitating perfectly. It, this, this matchup was winning, and matchup when I mean uh, Harden and Westbrook is absolutely amazing chemistry because of Westbrook constantly attacking and them backing up and Harden getting the rest and chill till he wants to put up a shot. It's absolutely perfect right now. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, Westbrook, he puts the pressure on those big men to try to close in, but then he just dishes it out if he doesn't find a hole in the defense. And then there's a wide open three. Now, they missed a lot of threes, and they were mm-hmm. wide open, but they made the ones that count. And um, they are missing um, uh, Eric Gordon. He's mm-hmm. going to be gone for a couple of weeks, and he's their third player. I think their third leading scorer at least yeah. consistent score. So, yeah, they are missing a player, but I, I'm, I'm really confident in them. Um, the only team that I think that they would not want to see is the Clippers. But, yeah, I, I definitely agree. And this is for the first time. This is really, like, for a first time in a long time. I think since KD was with the Thunder that I feel that Westbrook is prime Westbrook, like for real Westbrook before the knee injury Westbrook out here. And it like, I think it's dangerous. I, I think that if they did win Westbrook might be the MVP. Yeah. I, th- this is a toss up. If, if they are able to get through this and win a ring, it, it's a toss up on who's going to get that MVP. Um, but I don't think it really matters as long as they win. True. And, and, oh, God, this works so, like, and I really have to go head, uh, my head and heart picks because they will absolutely conflict within the next round of the playoffs. Like, if both make it out the first round, which we both expect both teams to make it out of the first round, Rockets and Lakers, they meet the next round. I can't just say they're going to meet in the Western Conference Final. It's not going to work like that. So I have to have faith in one or the other. And my head is saying Rockets. My heart says LeBron comes through and he he's just he's waiting to go dark 30. <laughs> oh, so that's my heart, though. That's just heart. It's no logic. Well, um, I, I think if you look at LeBron's history, he kind of cruises, at, at least recently, he cruises throughout the regular season. And maybe that's what he's doing right now, and then he's going to heat up in the playoffs. But, but that's what I hope. <laughs> yeah, but he's not. This ain't no regular regular, regular season. This, this is everything but. But even with the whole news that's coming out about them in the bubble, they, they have a bubble hangover right now, and it will take LeBron taking hold of this. So I, I think it's because him having to live there, that pushing that pace of him having to be accountable and be there at certain meetings because he's around. Like, he, he should just be in his room. We all do that. He, uh, on a plane, meeting with an executive and all this other stuff, he doesn't have loops holes to not be there. And the news out of the bubble is, they don't do the morning shoot-arounds anymore because 
they AD and LeBron won't show up. So they just called them off completely. And it doesn't vote well because their percentage for shooting has been absolutely horrible for the last couple of games they've been in. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the Lakers, I mean, they, they might be in a little bit of trouble. I mean, I'm, I'm not that worried. I mean, they're still a force in the West. Um, they'll easily be the number one seed. They don't have to worry about that. They'll easily get out the first round unless they play the um, uh, the Trailblazers, which they, they can go off at any time. But I think they, they'll still win that series. But um, they should worry just a little bit. I think they have to worry about the Rockets. Uh, and, and I really would have hoped that the Clippers and the Rockets would face each other beforehand because I think also it would just be a, a, a slug match between them. With T.J. Warren scoring 53 uh, points in his game versus the 76ers, do you think this performance is a trend or a hot night? Or And also, should the Suns feel bad or stupid about just completely giving them away? Um, to answer that last question, yeah, they should feel kind of dumb about giving him away. Um, because I mean, to go off like that, I don't think too many people saw that. So, I mean, it's hard to say. Um, but I think that this is one of those um, is it hot a trend or a hot night. Yeah, I think this is one of those hot nights. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that, of course, he's not going to be going off for 50 a whole bunch of times. Um, I think at most he probably averages around 20 points. Um, I'm not sure what his averages are now, but I think this is the guy that steps up in that role since Victor Oladipo has kind of been up and down. The the team is kind of contemplating or there's rumors of him being traded or not even playing. So I think he's just the guy to step up in that role and take over. I agree. He's like their typical spot for a, a pacer. Like it's, it seems like they have a type, like they date a certain type for their key player. Uh, it, it doesn't it seem similar between Kawhi, Paul George, uh, Olin Depot, and PJ Warren? Just a certain type of player, uh, low key, not really coming off. Uh, it just seems like they have a certain type of player that they like. And he is a great feeling player right now uh, for this. But to answer the question, I'll say I'll lean in the middle, in the middle of a hot night and a trend. I think he's not somebody who's just going to completely disappear and only average 20. I think he can average maybe in the 27, 20 to close 30 (laughs) range, which is generous. That's extremely generous. Uh, So especially because they're going to look for him to be that option. It's, it almost is no reason why. If you can score like that, it's almost no reason why you shouldn't score 27 points in a game and, and there's no other person the offense goes through. Uh, so, and, and to answer the second part about the Suns feeling stupid, yes, they should feel absolutely stupid. They gave him completely away. But it's not like the Suns franchise has been ran that well as far as I've even known them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, whenever they had Steve Nash and oh, that Stoudemire. Was that was a player. But, I mean, they had um, the Rockets' current coach. So they were doing pretty well. How far did they get? What was their far, furthest that they went? I think they got conference to the Western finals? Conference Finals. They never got oh, to a Finals. I, I guess that, that'll be a heyday. But when it comes to this decision, it was horrible. Um, but I'll, I'll push the pace on this. So uh, which... 
Eastern Conference team do you fear more to make the finals, the Heat or the Raptors? Oh, it's got to be the Raptors. I mean, I think personally, I have underrated them. I did not really think about them throughout the whole season, but this team is very good. Um, They just won a championship, even though people think that Kawhi Leonard um, carried them through everything. They had multiple supporting pieces that are really stepping up um, and becoming stars in this league, like Siakam, um, Fred Van Vliet, uh, Kyle Lowry, he's still doing his thing. I mean, he's not, you know, like a superstar or anything, but he's always been an all-star. So it's got to be the Raptors. Yeah, I, I have to agree. And I'm going to give you another one of the heart and head. My heart, because I've recently declared myself, for a team-wise, a Heat fan. No matter what players they have, whatever, I'm going to be a Heat fan. I, I've chosen a team now. It took many years, but I'm going to choose that. I'm going to stick with that. So that's my heart. And they have I have a little confidence that they can make it pretty far if they get on a good streak. But my head completely says the Raptors. The Raptors, I really think it's going to be the uh, Houston Rockets versus the Raptors in the championship. I really think it, everything points towards those things. The Raptors are very extremely solid team and if you look at their records of the past three years the years that they had Kyle Lowry along with uh with um DeRozan both on the same team last year when they had Kawhi and this point right now without Kawhi all three years there's only one game separation in their record and they were second in the, uh, the division in every one of those years so they, they've shown that they're an amazing franchise. And we really should put a whole lot of respect on it, their name because they've actually been a great franchise going on close to a decade. It's just that LeBron has been their Achilles heel. Yeah, but not anymore because they just beat him. <laughs> Seems like they've gotten over that. True, but, uh, I, yeah, but it's not like he's, in, he's not in the East. So I don't think it really counts when it comes to one game. I mean, I guess, but he beat him down for he beat him down for a decade. There's no way I'm counting one game when he's out of division and could be resting up for a playoffs to 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 validate the Raptors feeling any confidence facing LeBron. Resting up? (laughs) I know it's stupid. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) I agree that is stupid. That is stupid. But that could possibly be a case, even though the I guess. Maybe it's that old man body type of thing. You know, I can't run but so many games. I do need to rest up. Maybe my body's sore a little bit longer. Maybe I don't have the facilities that I used to have to rest up. Maybe that's the case. But, old man, Brian, you better come to play because I I need to see it. (laughs) Well, maybe it just takes a little bit longer to get that engine running. You know, you got to press on the gas. You know, he needs a little bit of that. He's he might be on E. Boy, if you don't eat, I swear the Rockets are gonna eat. Rockets gonna eat. They gonna eat. Uh, but um, we'll definitely, of course, have to be revisiting the NBA week by week here. At it, it is quite, quite exciting, and many, many games packed in. Almost at least two games per day. But we move on to the NFL in the NFL Top 100 list, as voted by the players. 
So just to give you the top 10, which are really what we're going to discuss, just to run it down, number one, by voted by the players, Lamar Jackson is rated number one of all players in the NFL, followed by Russell Wilson, Aaron Donald for the Jets, Patrick Mahomes, uh, the recent MVP of the Super Bowl and Super Bowl winner, Michael Thomas from the Saints, Christian McCaffrey of the the Panthers, running back, George Kittle, DeAndre Hopkins, Stephen Gilmore, and Derek Henry. So, and sorry about uh, that. Aaron Donald is not on the Jets. He is a uh, part of the um, the Rams. I'm sorry about uh, actually placing it like that. Uh, but I'll go ahead and ask: Do you believe that Patrick Mahomes is the fourth best quarterback coming in the NFL season? You mean fourth best sorry, player? The third, the third uh, best. Sorry, the third best quarterback. Sorry about that. Um, mm, I mean, I know I, I've seen a lot of people. They're very upset about this. You know, Patrick Mahomes, he just won a Super Bowl. He's won an MVP. should be number one. But this is all according to last season. And Lamar Jackson, he was amazing. Even in his playoff loss, he he still did pretty good. Um, he 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 played. He, I, I think he played well. Russell Wilson, he was in the MVP category. Um, he has always done well, definitely with less. And um, I guess I'm going to kind of cheat here. I'm going to say it's a tie <laughs> between all three of them. Uh, wow. pe- pe- people <laughs> love to crown Patrick Mahomes to be the number one uh, quarterback in, in a tier uh a category of his own, but I don't think he's so far away that these other quarterbacks are um, nothing to him. Okay. So, uh, hmm. Is he the third best quarterback coming into the league? You're completely right. This is based on, well, with uh, a lot of people's opinions, it's based on last year, even the players here, because they're voting. But as you broke it down, it actually made a little more sense on why he is number fourth on the list and number the number third quarterback. Because as I look at the list, the three people above him were in the MVP race. Um, and that might have actually been the ranking they they the votes played out. Lamar Jackson, number one. I think Russell Wilson came in somewhere around number two and Aaron Donald was sitting somewhere around number three if it wasn't Patrick Mahomes. So I actually don't have a problem with him being the third best quarterback on here because I think Russell Wilson, it was a it's also a respect and veteran and within my prime type of vote for all the players he understands his offense he's been there the longest he he hasn't shown any chinks in his armor for you to say he is lesser than these other players but if it was coming down to like talent arm strength arm talent and even how who's as fast or even elusive it's still gonna be lamar jackson and patrick mahomes before russell wilson so i'm definitely down for russell wilson as as He's my favorite quarterback. <laughs> He's your new favorite quarterback. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, after, you know, the, the debacle that we will not name of the, the breezes. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay. But um, 
I, I think it's more than just uh, the veteran respect. I mean, he's so smart with the ball, like, and he and, and he's so elusive. Like, I've seen this guy come back from so many games and make the right move, right play at the right time. Um, he's he's just done it for so long consistently. You just got to give him that respect. I can agree, um, but I think people are going to have to. It's going to be weird as these years go along because people have already deified Patrick Mahomes is going to be the best ever. Like it's like he had just a fill in the blank uh, situation. Like we're just waiting to fill in these achievements as a large mass of people feel about Patrick Mahomes, even me to a degree. But a lot of people are getting ahead of themselves because matchup year by year, he might not be considered the best quarterback because there are possibly players out there with better talent. Possibly, because Lamar Jackson is definitely faster than Patrick Mahomes. He's definitely more elusive than Patrick Mahomes, but it is a actually really small measure between stats-wise throwing between Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I think that Lamar Jackson had uh, probably a bigger effect on his team than Patrick Mahomes did. Um mainly because with the third of the run and how elusive he is, um, he opens up so many other possibilities for the rest of the team to um, succeed. Because a lot of those players that were pro bowlers, they, well, I would say half of them, they they wouldn't be pro bowlers without Patrick Mahomes. I mean, not Patrick Mahomes. I I mean, Lamar Lamar. Jackson. I agree. I I know what you meant. I know what you meant. Uh, But yes, I definitely agree. Because I think it was eight. I think they tied the most. No, Never. I think they had more than that. I think they had like 12, 13. 12 or 13? God dang. But I, I, I'm pretty sure there was they were up there. If not, they broke the record or they tied the record for amount of people from one team to make the Pro Bowl. Um, dang. You know, it made me think back to the death of Kobe. I forgot that was the same day. But uh, uh. Not to get, yeah, yeah, it threw me off because I just was thinking, dang, when was the Pro Bowl? And they had 12. Yeah, and nobody was really paying attention to it. But, yeah, you're right. It was 12 people. And, I don't know, I, it just kind of uh, struck crossed my mind really quickly. But, I, I actually, I'll move it along. And more to this top 10 list, do you have any problem with C- Christian McCaffrey being considered the number one running back in the NFL? No, not at all. I mean, this guy, he really does it all. He really approved that last year. Had um, I think a thousand yards rushing and receiving. Um, I mean, it was on a pretty below average team, but he showed that he can do almost anything. I mean, he's elusive, um, not the most elusive. Really, when you look at it, he's not the best at at everything, but he's amazing at everything. Um, and I think that's the best way to sum it up for Christian McCaffrey. Okay, well, to answer whether I have any problem, I have a little problem. I at least have a little problem with him being considered the number one running back because it's what is it worth? That's the pure question. What is it worth? And it's it's just crazy that we have another running back to compare to what is it worth during the same type of season, which is clearly Derrick Henry. Uh, Derrick Henry, what it was worth was uh, pretty far run into the playoffs. So that's the only reason why I have a little problem. But if 
I was doing the voting, it's on a 90-10% type of, that 10% is the only problem I have. Because Kirsten McCaffrey is quite a uh, do-it-all running back. He catches it out the uh, backfield. He catches it at, at, in the slot. He can run. He can block. He can. He's uh, fast. He can juke. He can run inside the tackles. He can run outside the tackles. So he is a do-it-all type of running back, which is worth being number one. Yeah, and he's consistent. He's durable. He shows up for every game. Um, and you just love a running back like that. Now, I would say the difference between Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey, their situations – I think the team is built better around um, Derrick Henry. You know, they have a great offensive line, pretty good defense, um, a quarterback that didn't make too many mistakes, didn't give the ball away, um, and they just pound the ball. And he just keeps um, going through the hole until it opens up. Um, so I think the team was situated better for Derrick Henry. Completely right. I, I would agree. Because I don't think it was formed for Derrick Henry, um, and there still are they, they're going to make Christian McCaffrey the main piece. They're sorry to decide it. Um, I think the Panthers would definitely uh, go forward into their future without having a undisputed just the quarterback being the number one person on the team. They can they can go forward and they'll feel comfortable with just making Christian McCaffrey the best player on their team and having a below below superstar uh, quarterback. But uh, with Aaron Donald being an inside defensive lineman, do you think his impact on the game is enough to rank him number three in the all top 100 of NFL players? Um, it's, it's really hard to say. Um, I think that he definitely deserves to be in the top 10, but at number three, it, it does seem hard to put him there because the team didn't really do much this year. Um, I would say the defense probably uh, regressed this year, even though he probably put, played great. He did exactly what he was supposed to do, but the rest of the team just wasn't enough for him. So, um, I mean, football is just one of the uh, one of the most team oriented type of sports because everybody has to do their job to a certain degree. And if one guy doesn't do his job, then the other guy has to do more work or the whole thing just falls apart. Um, and I don't think he has enough impact to. Um, wreck a game all by himself. I can agree on that. Um, but I can make an argument that he, you're right, he should be in the top t uh, 10, but I can make an argument for him still being in that top three because it's more of a respect factor. Like, how are you not going to put any defensive player in the top 10? And if you're going to choose somebody, choose somebody who is in the MVP race. And he's not like he's new to the MVP race or him being great. He's been very consistent about being great. So his influence may not be something of the Ray Lewis type. Dang it. It's hard to say because it has to be of the Ray Lewis type <laughs> if you're going to be in the top three. Um. 
I think it's a, a, a due to a lack of top defensive players. They needed to put him in there. And but I'm not sure whether you're going to put him before Patrick Mahomes. I, I think that's a little outrageous. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, but they did have Stefan Gilmore, uh, the cornerback from the Patriots. He is number nine and he won defensive play of the year. So he was in the top ten. True. You're right. You're right. Yeah. With Stefan Gilmore. But I don't think many actually I don't think many people also know Aaron Donald. So I, I guess hmm, it's, it's, it's tricky with the NFL. And this is voted on by the players. So you do have to kind of take it in. that This is still going to be a respect for these type of players uh, situation. Um, it might not just be about them feeling they impact the, the game that much even though it has to be at the same amount. Uh, so I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of toting the line on that, on that answer, but um, we'll move it along as there's big news that comes out with the formerly dead XFL. Yes. The XFL, the rock. Yes. The Wayne, the uh, white Johnson has now purchased the XFL for 15 million. And with a couple other associates, but him uh, spearheading the purchase. So do you think The Rock can have similar success with the XFL as Ice Cube has had with the Big Three League? Um, yeah, I, I actually really do, because he's a really uh, charismatic guy. Um, a lot of people love his movies, love him. Um, and he just has, as we can see, the money the resources, he can get a lot of people around this to back him. And I think that the XFL is probably in some pretty good hands. Um, I wouldn't have thought of him as being uh, the owner of a league or the, the showrunner of a league, but, I mean, this is the start of it. I say I don't see there being success, but I see this as a bargain, bargain buy. Like 15 million, that's small. You know how many contracts out here that are higher than 15 million in just the NFL? 15 million, one of these other NFL players could have bought the XFL easily. 15 million. Like 15 million is not a lot in those, those, those terms of money. So I think that was a bargain buy. And it's mostly due to there not being much hope for even just the XFL or external sports that are outside of the major sports that people consume, basketball and NFL football, along with college football and basketball. Uh, but I, I, I say no. I, I would say no. I don't think it's going to get even close to success with the Big Three, as the Big Three has been quite successful and actually, in a way, rivals the G League. I think that um, The Rock really knows how to promote himself. And I think that he'll get a, a, a really big backing from this uh, from this purchase of the XFL. And it's not like the XFL didn't have some popularity whenever it was uh, coming back this past year. It was just that this virus just messed up everything. So I think that they would have succeeded even if he didn't purchase it. Okay, so I'll go ahead and push to the next question, which is, do you think in a five-year time, Will this be a good investment or a bad one for The Rock and Associates? Um, 
I think that this will be a good investment because people just love more football. Now, he's going to have to keep the season around what they did this past year. You can't go head-to-head with the NFL because you're just going to lose that battle. Um, People are just so tied to just the brand of those teams. They're not going to watch an XFL game at the same time while trying to watch an NFL game. So I say as long as he keeps the same time frame of the games, I think that they can succeed and be that kind of like, you know, G League to the um, NFL. I say this is only a good investment if he uh, boosts it up with popularity and advertisement, but then sells it off before it actually needs to operate. That's the only way. <laughs> because I think there's going to be a hard time for any external sport uh, to external out of the major ones to survive it's just not going to happen in these next five years and one thing that's also going to happen with the nfl if they are going to operate they are going to have replacement players which also takes from the league of players that are coming from or joining the xfl or what's in the xfl i i don't i think it's a dead subject i think it's a bargain buy completely i think it was like why not buy them for 15 million if you can own the XFL, the, actually, I think that gets you in other doors. It's worth that 15 million is worth enough just off of owning the name of the XFL to get you into other doors than to actually have the XFL operate and be successful. Well, yeah, I can see your point there. Um, you just don't know how this whole pandemic is going to uh, go from now, because, I mean, it's. There's so many factors that we just don't know. So, yeah, I could definitely see what you're saying. Yeah. So, uh, but, all right. So now focusing in on the actual NFL and the suspension of Antonio Brown. He has now gotten an eight-game suspension by the NFL as it has been kind of looming over his head on whether to make a decision on a punishment, which has extended his punishment, over in one year and only participating in one actual game last year with the Patriots. So with this final decision finally coming down, does this help or hurt Antonio Brown? This absolutely helps Antonio Brown. It gives him a set timetable on when he can return because everybody knows that he's talented We saw the instant impact whenever he was playing with the Patriots. Um, Tom Brady had a weapon outside of Julian Edelman. And he's going to make any team very happy on the field. But that's it. Off the field is another monster. Um, The team that brings him in, they're going to have to have some type of plan in place to deal with his off-the-field issues and try to set him on the right path. Oh, yeah, I I completely agree. This helps Antonio Brown. Uh, there's never been, I, I don't think there's that many situations in, uh, I've just thought back to where somebody's gotten punished and it completely helped them. 
uh, other than, you know, learning your lesson and, oh, you got to learn it the hard way. Oh, I learned my lesson, so I don't do it again type of thing. This is, really does help out Antonio Brown. Like you said, it has a timetable. It has a finite, hey, I've gotten punished. You can't punish me more situation because they could have easily let this just keep just sitting there in the air. We haven't made a decision because it it in acts and actually makes it still a punishment. It makes a punishment that doesn't ever have to be decided. They finally put a timetable on it, which then lets a team know, hey, all we have to do is deal with him for not half a season as he wasn't there for a full season. And why not have him rested up for a run into the playoffs? Yeah, I I definitely agree. And um, for uh, Antonio Brown, I mean, this is great for him. Um, Whatever team, they, they just got to get a handle on him. Um, and I think that the, the NFL, I think that they had bigger issues to deal with, and they just mm-hmm. threw him a bone so they can get this out the way. I agree. That, that, that's a very uh, good point. So who is your bet to take a chance on AB? Um, I think that the Seattle Seahawks is a team. Um, they just got Jamal Adams. He's a really um, – uh, out there guy type of guy. I mean, he, he hasn't caused any type of trouble off the field, but he's not afraid to speak his mind. And the Seahawks have had players like that before. I'm not sure if they've been really uh, been able to control them, but I think the Seahawks would definitely benefit from this. Um, that gives Russell Wilson even more weapons, and it capitalizes on that big trade that they just made because they have to win making that type of trade for Jamal Adams. Agreed. Um, definitely agree. They need a bargain receiver. Well, I've actually said this before, but they absolutely need a bargain receiver. My money is on the Seahawks to land him. And the only reason my, my second on that one would be Baltimore. But the only reason why I see them ever making that request happen is to satisfy their MVP quarterback and his want for AB to be on his team. We we all know he'll be useful um, when it comes to the games, but I think they think char- character, character-wise, he may put Lamar in a bad situation, which they really don't need. The only way that fully goes through is if they want to really appease Lamar Jackson. Well, I mean, I don't think he would affect Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson is a great guy. Um, I agree. He's he's looking towards the future. He really wants to win a Super Bowl. So I don't think he's going to let Antonio Brown influence him and um, have him out there doing bad things. I I don't think that's going to happen. You misunderstand me. I don't think that he will actually uh, do that with uh, Antonio Brown. I'm talking about how the team perceives uh, what Antonio would do. Uh, and being around Lamar as Lamar is not, he's not separate from uh, feeling like he's a close person. He's already hanging out with him uh, in the summer, uh, doing workouts, uh, catching passes. I think even his cousin, uh, Lamar's cousin is uh, friends with AB also. And they also uh, grew up in the same town. So I don't think, I think standalone Lamar Jackson will be able to handle his without getting in trouble. But the perception of the ownership in the uh, in the upper office is, do we take this risk for the possibility of a being a B affecting Lamar Jackson, especially since they have some things that are common ground? 
I guess. <laughs> you know, many front offices will make a decision on something because they don't think that it might not work together. Like, for example, even the uh, Cam Newton and the Patriots. For a long time, people didn't think that. Well, it's not like we've seen it work yet, but nobody thought. A lot of people were saying, oh, that's just not a fit. Um, I mean, I, I think it could easily work with Antonio Brown and Lamar Jackson. I think Antonio Brown is just another monster off the field. I don't think Lamar Jackson would be influenced at all by Antonio Brown. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think it works well. I think they he's not influenced by I do I do think on that side. But I, what I'm saying is I think the organization won't think that way. They won't think that way, even though they may have confidence in Lamar. They know how much of a bad influence uh, Antonio Brown is and who takes that type of risk. Even yeah. if you even if you believe in Lamar Jackson. Yeah, but um, I mean, I, I guess they can do all the interviewing they can, but you know what you're getting into. Yeah, you're signing up for the ups and the downs. Um, but our last subject, as the Bucks have tooled up with another weapon, as LaShawn McCoy has signed a one-year deal with the Bucks. So, with this addition, does this make the Bucks clearly more talented? Then their division foes the Saints? No, not at all. Um, LaShawn McCoy Ooh. is past his prime. I mean, past it. He's more of just the third down back that catches the ball and can do shine in, 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 uh, in, in the bright lights in, in big moments. But that's it. He's not a three down back. He's not going to um, get like 15 to 20 carries a game. He's just going to come in on certain packages and uh, do well in those spots. But this this doesn't mean much. I can actually agree. I completely agree. I, I don't think it's as big of a deal as it's presented or as it looks because his name is flashy. We've seen it. He's had times where he's been very flashy and good and fast. Um, I think. Like you said, it'll be packages. He won't be a every time on the field type of player. He's going to be there maybe on kick return or something like that. But but I do think overall it still does make them better than the Saints because of their receiving core that the Bucks already have. I kind of already felt the Bucks were uh, – like talent wise, player by player was offensive wise was already better than the Saints. And it was very close. But throwing in that LaShawn McCoy and maybe those one rare moments where he's only using for those moments and can show up for those moments does possibly tip the scale only because he can come in in those moments to be to make a difference. Yeah, I guess so. But with the Saints, they have that continuity already. They've played together. Now, we do have to see how this whole Drew Brees controversy affects that, but they've all played together before. And with LaShawn McCoy, just think he was just on the Chiefs this past year when they won the Super Bowl and see how he affected that. (laughs) Very true. Uh, And being with a couple weeks away from the Drew Brees situation, I know some people haven't fully haven't really forgiven uh, Drew Brees, but I actually being just this little bit of far away from this far away from it, not too far, but far enough away from it. 
I don't think it affects the actual play and whether people uh, follow him on the on the on the field because they still have jobs. And I know some people are going to uh, take positions that might not be viewed very well, or maybe it's viewed well because there's a climate for it now. Uh, but I, I, I just don't think people are going to just jeopardize their job if they weren't already jeopardizing their health by being out there. Well, I think this all comes into play whenever the national anthem is played and all eyes will be on him. He's going to get a whole bunch of questions. Kneeling and and crying. He's going to be kneeling and crying. (laughs) And players are going to be watching. So that's when this all will come into play. True, but it only only takes that one time and he actually going to mean it. He going to mean it. He going to cry. He going to cry for real. Yeah, he's he, he's a nice guy. Um, he doesn't want to be looked at as a bad guy, so he'll, Even, he'll straighten uh, up. Recently came out and said it was a missed opportunity. That was what everybody was already telling you. Uh, like, I can't really give you any credit for that. You did what you did, but I, I, I'm just not blaming you also anymore. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to take any position on you, even though maybe I'm giving you more leeway than you deserve. And I'm referring to, of course, Drew Brees. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was never at a point of no return, but we'll just see what he does from here on out. But the question begs, should have should he have been? Because we at that time felt that he uh, was speaking his heart and that's what he really felt. Um, I think the response was right. And I think that's the best thing that we could have done at that point, because that shows anybody else who thinks like that that they shouldn't, and it's wrong. True, but the climate was already going to hit him. Everybody was going to hit him. He he just <laughs> he messed up at the wrong time. It, it's what I I'm just saying. Like maybe even in my own psyche, maybe I'm giving him too much of a leeway because at that time, I, I'm pretty sure a lot of people felt, hey, he's speaking this hard because he didn't need to take this position yet he took this position. And it's very easy in hindsight with a lot of backlash to say that you're sorry. So uh, maybe it's just a thought I maybe need to review on my side, on my, by myself. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have any ill will towards him, but um, we'll see what he does from here on out. True. Very true. So with nine Patriot players opting out of the season, along with other players on other teams, but not in this big of a bunch. Do you see Tom Brady playing professional football at age 44 if there is no season but one the following year? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, He signed a two-year contract. Um, Even if there's not a season, he's, I mean, he's not getting injured. He's not playing. So I don't see why not. Um, He signed a two-year contract looking towards playing those two years. So I don't see why not. True. And it's crazy to even think this man really might be out here playing at 44, 45 uh, years old as he just turned 43, I think today or just a couple of days ago and would be 44 going into that next season. Oh my gosh. But Tom Brady found that, uh, special juice that special juice from a space jam or something because I, I i don't see how he's able to do it at age 45 professional football professional football is not friendly to anyone's body 
And when you're the target of every down, it's, it's crazy that he can even make it this far. Um, it definitely is a testament to him. But I do think he's addicted to the game. And, yes, I do see him playing at age 44. Yeah, I agree. He's definitely addicted to the game. And that's why I just hope that he doesn't have to get pushed out the game or forced out. <laughs> I think he will. Did you, did you see what this man was doing throughout the summer? Straight up completely ignoring the NFL. Completely ignoring the NFL. Completely ignoring COVID. And is already working out with his teammates in Florida, which is the uh, the ground zero of all COVID cases in the world. Yeah, I mean, he did not care. He's like, I need to catch up with my team. I need to get these reps in. Who cares what anybody else thinks? I'm trying to win. Brent don't care. He even showed up to his COVID test with no mask. <laughs> Brent is confident. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's real, though. This is for real, though. He really did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but well, I don't want to get with a few people anything. and everything. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to get into too much of this, but I think there are multiple people like that who are not really caring that much about wearing a mask. True. I, I think I know where you're going with that and it may have to do with um, Tom Brady wearing a Make America Great Again hat, uh, but not to get too far into that. But, um, <laughs> but this has been So You Think You Know Sports. We will trust me, we'll have plenty of more interesting things coming up uh, throughout this week because there's many sports going on now, especially basketball. But this is our last part, which, like normal, it is three questions, all of a multiple choice. Muhammad comes up with the questions. I try to answer and give you some information on it as I may know something about it. Uh, but And, of course, try to get the answers right. Uh, go ahead and guess with us. Go ahead with that first question, Muhammad. Which country has made the most consecutive World Cup appearances? A, Argentina, B, Brazil, or C, Switzerland? I feel like this is a trick question, but I'm definitely going for the obvious. Um, I, hmm. I, I, I'm just not going to answer yet because I feel like it's obvious, but I'm, I'll mess around and uh, still get this wrong. But go ahead and repeat the question and answer. Which country has made the most consecutive World Cup appearances? A, Argentina, B, Brazil, or C, Switzerland? I really think it's Brazil because I feel like there was like no time they didn't make it. <laughs> but watch the answer be Switzerland. I swear, watch for watch it be Switzerland. But I'm gonna officially say Brazil. That's correct. They uh, have uh, 21 consecutive yeah, appearances. Because I feel like there's no way they weren't making it uh, when it comes to Brazil. I thought the obvious was obvious. <laughs> but go ahead with the next question, Mohammed. Who is the oldest coach? In the NFL, A, Bruce Arians, B, Bill Belichick, or C, Pete Carroll? Oh, that one is definitely a good question. Old man history. Um, hmm. Repeat that question and answer again. Who is the oldest coach in the NFL? A, Bruce Arians. B, Bill Belichick, or C, Pete Carroll? Okay, 
So I think I know this one. And it may be a lack of not knowing one of their ages, uh, Bruce Arians, but I'm going to go with um, Pete Carroll because I think he's the oldest. That's correct. Pete Carroll. He's the oldest. Uh, I think it's 69. Yeah. And, and I, I partly knew that answer because he said something when it came to the COVID situation, he wasn't going to take a risk on it. And the, and not to sound real biased, but that sounds like an old old dude uh, comment. Not to be too biased, but of course, we all got to be safe about COVID. Yeah. So uh, number three, which of the <laughs> following NBA players has the most triple doubles in the 2019-2020 NBA season? A, Luka Doncic, B, Russell Westbrook, or C, LeBron James? I'm not answering that way, but um, I actually think I really know this one also because uh, I did pay attention to a lot of the NBA before the um, before the whole COVID break. So just go ahead and uh, answer, repeat the question and answer again, and hopefully I can get a, a three for three. That's It's been a while. Yeah, it has. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which of the following NBA players has the most triple doubles in the 2019-2020 NBA season? A. Luka Doncic, B. Russell Westbrook, or C. LeBron James? Now, Russell Westbrook tends to always average a triple double, but I don't think he has the most triple doubles. I'm pretty sure it is Luka Doncic, and not it's definitely not uh, LeBron James. So I'll say final answer, Luka Doncic. That's correct. You got a three for three. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I don't how know. long it's been. Yeah, it, it's been a while, but Months. those were just those were solid questions and solid answers. I have to give it both ways. They weren't like too easy. It's you had to think about it, and I just had to know the answer. All right, but this has been So You Think You Know Sports. We'll see you next week.